This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. To the Player 3 Podcast. My name is Blake, and I am your host. Today with me are my co-hosts... Jared. Sick boy. That's Tad. And we have, for the first time ever, ever a fourth player on Player 3. Introduce yourself, bud. How you doing, everyone? My name's Kyle. Um, I'm just going to talk about Fire Emblem for a bit. It's going to be real fun. He's a big... F.E. fan. Yeah. That's a good thing. F.E.? Yeah. Faithless electors? <laughs> we, mm. no, it's, we're it's, not talking about the electoral college in the show. On the periodic table. Oh, for iron. Oh, God, You're it sounds so loud. Iron. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, so Kyle is our guest today. Uh, he's not Bryson. Bryson uh, is dead again. Bryson is still dead. I actually haven't seen Bryson really? this week. Okay. Tad, have you seen Bryson this week? Uh, I saw him. I saw him, I, I saw him once. I saw, saw him, him once. yesterday. All right. So there uh, has been Bryson spottings. You don't know this, Kyle, but I do not. We've only ever had one other guest on the show, and that was when Tad was out. He couldn't make it to a recording, and so yep. we had Bryson on, uh, a good friend of mine, also on the Overwatch team with me. And uh, for once, well, not for once, uh, to give you some clarify clarification as to why Kyle is qualified as a gamer, you're on the Smash team. That I am. Yeah. I play uh, Inkling in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I have an inkling of what that means. Ah, uh, you're a funny <laughs> man. I get it. That's the funniest the podcast is going to get it, folks. <laughs> go ahead and tune off. That's the that's the peak of our comedy today. So, yeah, we're all, actually, we're all on the esports team, right? Jared, you're on the Smash team? Nope. No? Nope. I thought you were. I, I do okay, but you like. You play a lot of Smash. I've I, just I, yeah, I play a lot, but I just, I don't know. I, I don't like going to places and then practicing. I can't just go to the case house and practice, but like I'm thinking about that's still going somewhere. Yeah, I guess so. I just don't like, I don't know. I I feel like it's not really a team sport. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It's kind of strange. Yeah. Like practice. We just sort of get together and do one V ones. That's really how it goes. Yeah. It's not like the most, it's it's weird. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it, but so right now he's a, uh, a free agent. He's a free free agent. agent. Exactly. I don't get paid to play this game yet. Envy, yeah, envy you, us, recruit them. Um, Team Liquid, recruit them. Panda Global, yeah. I like, P- I like PGR. Try and Thunder, recruit them. What's your signing? What's your signing? Uh, what do you want? Uh, yeah. Money. Oh. Um, What's your signing bonus? Maybe twenty thousand. Twenty <laughs> only. That, I think that's a little uh, more than no, that, like that, the budget of no, the that, esports that, program. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's Smash Brothers though. Like Smash Brothers, they don't make money. The commentators make more money than yeah. the gamers. So yeah, um, that, that's good Smash money. So that is very good Smash very money. Good Smash money. <laughs> um, and then once again, Tad and I are both on the Overwatch team. And when we say the Overwatch team, we don't mean the team that goes places and competes. We mean the team that uh, occasionally scrims against people. We technically have competitions, um, but we are the third team of three teams. Oh, wow. So you're like so half yeah. in the middle of the pack, kind of? Sure. Bottom of the pack. Oh, Bottom of no. the pack. Third out of like, third. Um, I'm trying to be positive yeah. here, okay? You know <laughs> when a bag of chips 
how once you get finished eating all the really good chips, then there's some like less good chips sort yeah. of in the middle, and then you eat those. And then at the bottom, there's just like like crunch crunch bits that don't <laughs> have flavor to them. Uh, yeah. And then also just flavoring, right? There's nothing so, cohesive. So what are you? About what are you? It. We're both. We are a <laughs> mixture of just the flavoring and just the crunchy bits, and and they're not connected to each other. Like all of the elements are there, but it doesn't really work. And that's what we are. Hey, hey but without you, the flavoring wouldn't exist. That's not true. I, 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 the flavoring well, comes from you above. You are the. The part that becomes the whole. The like flavoring descends. We are the flakes of flavoring that fall off but why the would chips I, above us. But, but and, why would I eat a plain chip? Like, okay, I guess that's I, like the best part because you get to turn the chip back upside down, and like shovel it into your mouth. You know, yeah, that's all the content. You know, that's all the, yeah. the, the, that's the best part. Content. That's the content. See? Speaking of content, let's just jump right into it. Uh, <laughs> we've God, got some news articles to talk about. Yeah, we we make that joke uh, too often. Oh but, yeah, um, too much. Yeah, who's got some news they want to talk about first? AMD Ryzen, Ted, what is it this week? Dude, so AMD... <laughs> it's, it's true. AMD has just decided they're not done kicking butt. Good. So, Intel... Not going to have to censor that. In, yeah, we're going to have to... Yeah. Um, you can't keep the word butt in. Censor that, too? We're going to have to censor... <laughs> every time I say Intel... Yeah, uh, sensor because, Intel, that's yep. a curse word. Okay, I have like so three markers right now. There's two right there. Oh. Thank you. Well, <laughs> you didn't have to put two extra. There was already one. So go back and take one out. Intel. Uh-huh. There, there we go. Okay, you just okay. added That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Intel just released on uh, Monday, very, very late <laughs> Sunday night. Um, they lifted the embargo for the 10980XE, which is uh, still on the X299 platform. Yep. And what they brought it out with was... They decided that they wanted it to come out on November 25th. So, what else was happening on November 25th? Oh, I don't know. A Threadripper announcement from mm-hmm. AMD. So, AMD's series, their Ryzen kind of server workstation grade series, is called Threadripper, which you're talking 32 cores. It's you know definitely the higher end stuff. Uh, they wanted their 10980XE, which is their latest i9 processor, to come out the same day, which... There's been a lot of talk across the tech space on what people think about that. Okay. And it seems that the general consensus is it's kind of cowardly that you would try to compare your i9 to a Threadripper. They're very separate product lines. An i9 is a workstation chip, while Threadripper is more of a server-grade chip. So, I'm just letting you know, I have no idea what you're saying, but I'm learning because I'm trying to buy a laptop. So this is starting to make a lot of sense so, right oh, now. You're not me, going for either conclusion. one of those. Don't we'll look for an i9. Conclu- no, don't look for an i9. Really? Because, so, 10th gen i9 came out. It is overclocked Tenth from gen. the factory. It is good to go. And guess what? X. It is not even as good as 9th gen. It's actually worse, I believe. So oh, they, fantastic. They did a bunch of testing on them. The Threadripper that came out obviously just destroys the new 10980XE. It completely destroys it. I have no idea why they even wanted to release them side by side. But that's because of the price. They're trying to use the same prices to make them look like the same chip, but the Threadripper okay. is just completely different scale. So what we're looking at really is the last week we actually talked about the um, 3950X, which is the new Ryzen chip. Uh, it's amazing. It is – let's see here. I have it in my notes. Um, so we're looking 
uh, the new Ryzen chip going up against the new i9. And so the new i9 is 18 core, 36 threads at about 4.6 gigahertz. Uh, and it comes with Intel Deep Learning Boost. That's basically AI crap that it comes with. But that is a $1,000 chip. While last week we talked about the 3950, yeah. that mm-hmm. was significantly cheaper, around 700, 750. I don't remember that off the top of my head. The 3950X ruins the 10980XE every day of the week. You could say it so dabs on it. And this is AMD, right? Yes. So, so for AMD is like once again releasing another thing another week later saying this is going to be better than Intel and then Intel's going to do the same thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh my and so, then it is better than Intel. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's Intel. What it came down to was Intel took and they released their... Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Intel. Do you understand what's going on, Kyle? Wait, does Kyle understand? Uh, Intel sucks. Intel does yeah, suck so right now. So Intel's had the market space for so long, for yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. Intel's been what you see ever. AMD, no one cared about it. Mm-hmm. AMD came out with Ryzen, which is their new... You know how Intel's i3, i5, yeah, i7... Yeah. Well, now there's the Ryzen 3, Ryzen 5, Ryzen 7, and Ryzen 9. Mm-hmm. Ryzen is their com- competition to the iCore series. I guess they're Ryzen to the competition. And, and it wasn't very good until 2nd Gen Ryzen. I guess you could Ryzen. say that. And then when 2nd Gen Ryzen came, uh, they started to... intelligent joke. You're killing me over here. <laughs> when Ryzen started to come through, they um, especially through 2nd Gen and now through 3rd Gen, Intel's... Insanely I'm gonna give you an inf- i5 for that. <laughs> insanely <laughs> inflated prices were just not flying anymore. So now people aren't buying Intel chips because Intel is so overpriced. And so that's really what's happening here is we're seeing that X299 is trying its hardest to stretch out and catch up with the Ryzen, which is on Zen 2 platform. And it's just not happening. They released the 10980XE. It barely performs up to a Ryzen chip, not to mention Threadripper just came out. And all of this is happening. Intel can't make up for the price, can't make up for the performance. And X299, which is the platform this is all being developed on, is basically coming to an end. Guess what AMD just announced? Zen 3, their next platform. So Zen 2 is still just ripping them to shreds, not even caring, while Intel is barely able to keep up. And now they announced the next generation of AMD. So, honestly, it's coming in early 2020. Um, I believe it was March, but I'm not positive on that date. But early 2020, we're going to see Zen 3 architecture for Ryzen chips, and that's the time that you want to buy your laptop, is when Zen 3 architecture for the Ryzen chips comes out, and then whatever Ryzen chip, unless Intel has a good response, which they haven't so far, that's your time to buy your laptop. So, you're telling me, do not buy a laptop now? Do not buy a laptop right now. I would wait until Easter. You know, really yeah. okay because like, wait. What if I'm looking for high end? Does that make a difference? Yes, this defi- is all about that, the high. Then end. it's definitely gonna make a difference. So it'll basically make stuff be lower costing in general, right? It'll like, definitely. You're gonna get a lot more for your money, like a lot more bang for your buck. If really? you will, we're talking twice Dang. as much more. Yeah. Oh my god. It's gosh. definitely and worth it's gonna waiting. be. Wait, is it going to be out then? Because I was yes. this morning. I was looking up prices for things. Yeah. Yeah, oh it's going to be out in late, early early 2020. Your laptop's going to have them. I don't have to worry about mm. Oh, my gosh. I hate this. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I you guys are all familiar with memes. Um, <laughs> Wait a second. Th- thankfully. Yeah. So um, Transition. That was a nice... Tra- you, I mean... This actually is not a transition, but do you guys... You guys know the meme, the Simpsons meme, of, of like, the kids beating up the other kid, 
and the like, one kid. Stop, right? he's already stop, dead. Stop, stop, he's already yeah. dead. Yeah. Yeah. AMD is the one beating up Intel, and the PC audience is like, stop, stop, he's already dead. Oh, yeah. And AMD that, does that, not care. Fantastic. You you know how when you when you down a player in certain games, right, they have the ability to be you know picked up by their allies unless you do a, a coup de gras, you know, one last shot to finish them off. Mm. Like in Rainbow Six Siege, if you will. Right, you can down a player and then shoot them one more time to just knock them out, you know, eliminate them. You know, AMD downed Intel with all their Zen 2 stuff. Zen 3 is the coup de gras to finish Intel off. Yeah, wow. well, basically the Ryzen, the Ryzen 9 3950X is $250 cheaper and basically performs the same as the 10980XE, which, like I said, $250 more and it performs better and it's not Intel. Right now, Intel's having so many security issues. Oh, I know the Intel, the the, the, the cores are just bad. Like, yeah. Oh my god, not great right now. So, back doors, back doors, oh, wow. all that kind of okay. stuff. I feel um, like I saved a lot of money just like recently because I was about to decide on a laptop. Yeah, no, I would not. I would wait for our Zen three architecture to come out and hit the laptop space, and then I would hit it hard because you're going to get twice the performance for your money without the BS that Intel's been putting. Uh, through and not just laptops, but like if I want to build a PC too. Yes, That's, okay. Especially so. if you want to build a PC. Yeah, even more so the desktop. Okay. So yeah, it's it's amazing. Threadripper is awesome. Zen two is just kicking butt, um, and Intel just doesn't seem to know what to do. They did this whole launch our i nine on the same day as they launched Threadripper stuff. And it, there's a great Linus Tech Tips video that you should all check out. Please watch Where it. Linus just tears them a new... Who? Just tears them a new one. Linus oh, from Linus okay. Media Group. Oh, okay. I've been watching... I love Linus. I Dude, really you should yeah. watch his new video on the 10980XE. He just rips them a new one. Uh, and I can't agree more with him. I think <laughs> Guys, it's can amazing. can get sponsored by Linus Tech Tips? Can we'll we get replace the Player 3 the podcast? Show? I love yeah, Linus should, because the memes... Yes. Yeah. Can we get can we get the Linus can we get Linus this from LFG? Favorite. This on... is my favorite image. This is an audio podcast, but I'll just describe the image for you. Um the image Jared just showed the group. It's on his Twitter. It um, says when she asks to yeah. see your tech tip. And it's just a <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's just a picture. It's like a horribly cropped selfie of Linus, with like a <laughs> dead is, face. Staring. Uh, yeah. This is a parody account called Li- wait, Linus at Linus Tech Tip, and oh, they delete all the tweets. There was just a, there were so many pictures of just him and just saying how to computer. I lost my computer. Can you fix it? It's just like, <laughs> sorry, I just love it. Yeah, yeah, no, um. <laughs> Anyway, so Tad, yeah, yeah, you got some more tech news for that's, us? That's really about it as that's far as that thing. front goes. That's the huge thing is, honestly, keep holding out for your processor buys because the competition, I, we, keep th- we keep saying, you know, it might finally be the end of it. We might finally have hit rock bottom. Not a chance. Intel is just falling down over and over again, and yeah. I can't wait. Okay. Zen 3 is going to be. Zen 3 is going to kill I, I, I really have an honest question, though. Like, okay. I just feel like as a as a console gamer, you know, one of those guys. Yikes! Um, I feel like <laughs> I feel like like every time a new PC part comes out, when I look into it, it, just gets better and better. Like what? When do I can I just go and get it? And you know, like mm-hmm. it just feels like every Definitely. time I'm always catching up. Yeah. And I do not like that. Oh, there's right after a big product release is generally when you want to do something. 
just because usually right after a big sort of earth changing product release, like right after the RTX 2080 came out was a good time to buy a graphics card because of the fact that right after this big product comes out, they're probably not going to release something for a little bit. So, uh, so from your honest opinion, I should wait for to buy a laptop this Easter. Yep. Yes, definitely. Okay. I have to agree. Okay, I will hold off then. I appreciate it a lot, actually. We'll let you know when it's time. Trust me. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll see Ryzen start. I think when Zen three announces, Intel will have one final answer to it, and then it'll cool. Um, mm-hmm. As far as graphics goes, right now, we don't see anything. It's pretty much Nvidia comes out with what whatever Nvidia wants to come out with, and then and then AMD buy might be going into that soon. That's the thing we is AMD might see that destroying the CPU market right now. So we might see AMD try and take back the graphics market because just AMD okay. is not doing it right now. All right. AMD's graphics cards are not great right now. <laughs> Radeon. They, yeah, Radeon. I, I've got an RX 470 in my PC. You don't know what that means, Jared. But um, the RX 470 was, you know, it was a graphics card. <laughs> it worked. It I worked. I 960 in my laptop. I think that's right. 960? I think so. 980, I don't know. 980? I mean, those are both... Yeah. Those are okay. <laughs> those are both graphics my, cards. My laptop looks cool and runs uh, emulated GameCube games, so... It can play Minecraft, too. Mine's I can't a Mac play Minecraft. There you go. Oh, no, runs Windows 10. <laughs> anyway, my, my laptop has a 1050 Ti. Okay, that's good. I know it has Ti. That's like titanium, so it must be really good. <laughs> that's all I 1050 know. 1050 is a big number. <laughs> he, he, yeah, 1050 is both a big number, uh, and Ti does stand for titanium, but... I don't believe it stands for that in this this context. Well, how about this? I was looking up laptops, and there was like mm-hmm. a, a 2060. Those are new. Right? Yeah, 2060 is pretty new. Yeah, that's, that's is a it lot. a 2060 that's Super? I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know anything. Anyways, I know nothing. Speaking of things you're going to need a good graphics card for, Half-Life Alex, um, coming out March, I believe, sometimes spring 2020. Um, Kyle, how much have you heard about Half-Life Alex? Um, I know it's for VR and yeah. I saw, I saw some tweets about it and, um, I, I know nothing about Half-Life as a whole. So I, that's I was a like, shame. That's, cool. that's a shame. Away. I'm a PC gamer. It, it was PCMR a bit before my time. Just like mm. a, a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm just I right see. at the beginning of that generation. You're a zoomer. Kind of, yeah. I'm also a Zoomer. We're all Zoomers here. I think Zane we're all the same. Goes by our recording we're, we're around studio. There. That's the Skyjack. Skyjack's coming back through. Um, I mean, Gordon's been in the news just because of Smash, but that's another thing. But that's interesting. Um, but um, Because of Alex. Yeah, Half-Life Alex. So we've heard a little bit more. So as you guys all, are, all know, it's a VR-exclusive game. It's free to anyone who owns a Valve Index. And if you buy, buy a Valve Index, by the end of the year, you're going to get Half-Life Alex as well as maybe a couple of other things. Valve has announced a few of them. Um, stuff like gun skins and resource pack stuff for um, dev stuff. Uh, not a ton of crazy stuff. But um, big news we've gotten. A lot of people were concerned that Val was releasing Half-Life Alex just to take advantage of the Half-Life series. And we've recently gotten confirmation that Valve is strongly con- would really like to do another Half-Life game after Half-Life Alex. Um, but they really only feel that they can do that if Half-Life Alex does well. 
I think it will um, because Half-Life Alex is pretty much the first game we've seen that's a real system seller for, you know, a, a VR uh, setup, you know? There aren't really many system selling games for those. Half-Life Alex is definitely uh, one of those. But I actually have a quote here. Um, in the process of creating Half-Life Alex, we've had to explore new ways of, to tell stories with these characters in this world, and we've discovered a lot of new gameplay experiences that go beyond what we've been able to do before. Of course, we'll have to wait and see how people react to Half-Life Alex once it's out, but we'd love to continue pushing forward. So I'm going to read into this a little bit. It probably means that if we're going to see Half-Life 3, it's probably going to be a VR exclusive. Um, Fun. Hmm. What I think this means People is... that. However, it could also mean that if there's renewed interest in Half-Life, Half-Life 3 could come to PC as normal, could come to console. Um, but because Valve is making this entry into VR um, with Half-Life as a franchise, you know, it's been over a decade since we've had um, Half-Life 2. And I think them bringing Half-Life Alex into this sort of this world now um, is probably a good sign that it's, you know, future Half-Life games are going to be VR exclusive. And uh, that's not the only news I brought to the table today, though. Uh, I mentioned off-camera that a thousand Steam games mysteriously disappeared from Steam. So Steam did a purge recently of games that violated some of their um, TOS because publishers were, quote, abusing Steamworks. Oh, Steam. Always having yeah. issues with this. Um, basically... St the really nice thing about Steam is it's really easy to get games published on Steam, um, which is really nice because it allows for you know pretty easily easy open selling of games. However, a single Russian publisher called Dagestan Technology had a whole lot of games, uh, you know, deleted. So apparently. Their, a cached version of their Steam Curator page lists 48 games and 4 DLCs, right? Yeah. After this purge, zero. Ooh, okay. This publisher had all of their games deleted. That's not fun. What, um, what were they deleted for? A lot of it is... Is this an anime game again? Uh, they're <laughs> abusing some of the Steamworks tools, right? So... Basically, uh, some of it can be stuff like, um, you know, taking a game that exists and just remaking that with free assets for Steamworks and selling it, you know, essentially pirating a game. Um, there's a lot of other shady practices that can happen. But, you know, Dagestan Technologies is obviously not the only publisher that was affected by this. Um, apparently, over the past... Four hours from this upload, 982 games were de uh, deleted over the past four hours from the upload of this article, which I'm reading, which happened ooh, 18 hours ago. So there's probably even more. At the time that this podcast is being recorded, we don't necessarily know exactly why 
all of them are being deleted, but it's for abusing Steamworks. So that could be, um, you know, could be pirating, could be a few other things. But I think overall what we're going to see coming out of this is not a huge effect. If you have bought one of these games, it will not be purchasable, but it's going to stay in your library. You know, you're not going to lose your game, um, I believe. You know, unless Valve really wants to do some fun stuff. Um, but uh, essentially, you know, there is going to be some some reworks with uh, some of these publishing companies. So Dagestan Technologies probably won't be publishing any more games. So if Dagestan Technologies was your favorite video game publisher, I'm sorry for your loss. But I don't think it was anybody's favorite video game publisher because they were a cheap Russian publisher that probably just published cheap, shady games, you know. So that's the bit, end of PC news, but there is a little bit of D&D news. Eberron Rising from the Last War came out for D&D. Um, came out a couple weeks ago, actually. This is the first time I've had a chance to talk about it uh, more in depth. It looks amazing. Cover art, as always, is fantastic. Um, and so we should be uh, we should be set for this new campaign setting. It's a pretty well-known campaign setting in the D&D universe. I know I'm probably the most well-versed D&D player in this podcast. Um, so I know this might not be super exciting to you guys. Pathfinder's D&D, right? No. <laughs> I know we talked about this um, before. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> It is not. But Eberron is is uh, a popular setting that they're finally bringing to 5th edition. That's really all I've got for this week. Jared, what do you got going? Well, not much either, honestly. Um, only thing I care about is Nintendo, right? Um, <laughs> no. Yep. Yeah, basically, um, there's not much going on. Well, nothing really in the console world right now. Xbox is still you know, not doing anything. PlayStation's kind of moving on to the PS5. And that's actually that sound. Actually, the PS5 is sounding to look to be stronger than the P, the Xbox, which is kind of cool. Um, their architecture is looking a lot better. Isn't there a new so, uh, Xbox project, something, whatever? Yeah, Scarlet Project, project Scarlet. Scarlet. Do we know anything about that? Um, both of you, both of them are running off of SSD SSDs now or something. Um, there was a leak date. About time. There was actually. It's actually. It's really nice that they're going to be expanding this high because I know a lot of people are excited since it's actually going to push games into a higher level finally. So the PC games can actually look good because everything's based on a console you know, standpoint. Yep. So this is actually going into hardware that's going to be up there. I mean, PC will pass it like really quickly, but it's probably high up there already now. has. Um, there is arguments that where some of it's weirdly integrated well. So I don't. I don't know. I don't know all the details. So I need to look it up more. Yeah. But it's pushing it to better extremes than it's ever have before. Um, rumors about the PS5 is that August. No, it's not. Oh, I'm saying um, December 5th of next year, 500 or 550 dollars will be out. For multiple places, so um, that's been interesting. I'm excited for that because I just I like um, P- PlayStation exclusives a lot, so um, I'm ready for that. But um, other than that, again, um, there's some Smash leaks going on. Kyle, have you heard of anything Smash related? Right? Um, I haven't been keeping up with leaks. I'm not. I'm not too big on leaks. I have, um, I have a problem with leaks. I, <laughs> I I I did a whole thing with the really uh, the good for leak. getting surfetched. <laughs> 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 The leak. You just get crits. That's get all you have to do. You but just get crits. I, I bought really heavily into the Grinch leak back. Oh, in, yeah. Like, I remember that. Uh, 
late late October. I of believe it too. 2018. The Grinch and, leak. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you can explain it, Kyle. Yeah. So the the idea was there was like, uh, this like really blurry Snapchat photo taken of what was allegedly like a completed version of like the Smash Bros. Like the Smash Ultimate banner, you know, where it has like all the characters. Have you seen that? I've seen the banner before. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the, it, it allegedly had like all these other characters like Shadow, the Hedgehog, and Gino, and all that. And um, and it was taken like the the company that was like producing these photos was the same company that was producing like uh posters for the Grinch leak, and um apparently they'd been like allegedly they were producing these posters for the release of Smash Ultimate, but it turned out to just be like unedited poster and those characters weren't actually in the game and send we instead we got ken and incineroar yeah which incineroar is great but incineroar is pretty great i, I like incineroar. I, I love that moment because i have a picture of myself um about to watch the 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 um dean orweiler if you're trying he, he takes pictures of everyone on campus but he knows me so he'll just take a picture of me if he sees me this picture of me walking down really excited to watch this this direct about if it would confirm the Grinch leak. And I was really happy, but that's my moment. I realized I was going to be sad because it wasn't real. So I have this moment of pure happiness that reminds me of all the sadness I experienced in the next five seconds. I'm not kidding. Nice. It, was, it was like a perfect moment of pain. Ugh, the Grinch leak. Oh yeah. People are thinking about Gordon Freeman's coming in, but that was just because of Half-Life Alex. That, that annoys me. I, oh, that's I really hate loud. it when, when like some new game gets like a new installment and everyone's like, Oh, this means they're going to be in smash. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that. No, it, it but does it not could. Mean that. But it could. And now people are saying Dante from Devil May Cry, which is they've been saying that for a while, um, though, haven't they? Well, well, Devil May Cry Three, which is like one of the best games ever made, is coming out um, on uh, Switch now. Finally, mm-hmm. which I, I I just want a portable Devil May Cry Three because I love th- that game to death. But um, now people are saying, "Oh, it's gonna happen." I mean, I want Dante. That's my secret. That's the one I want. But um, I'm really excited to see what happens. Yeah, Game Awards is gonna happen. So yeah, now I feel like though, let's Kyle, pivot to our next segment. Fire emblem. Fire, Fire emblem. emblem. So oh. we uh, we have a guest on the show today, Kyle. I've introduced him already a little bit. But Hi, Kyle. Kyle, you know quite a bit about Fire Emblem. Uh, unfortunately, I do. It's so I know nothing about Fire Emblem. Okay, can you teach me? So teach Fire us, please. Fire Emblem is basically like a top-down strategy role-playing game it's turn-based and you control like an army of units while looking looking down it's sort of like a tiled map and you know you move them across the map and you kill the bad guys and as you, you know, do happy happy endings etc and there there's a lot of like depth to the mechanics you know you have like all these different weapon types and there's what's called the weapon triangle like uh lances beat swords swords beat axes and axes beat lances it's a lot like the whole pokemon thing with like fire water grass that, or like you know, rock paper scissors yeah, well uh it, that's not very gamer so Ooh. I, I, didn't make a <laughs> reference. I don't know i'm a gamer and i love rock paper scissors that's true everyone loves rock paper scissors but it's more complicated but, than that right it's uh, there's like magic there, there's, there's yeah you, you get into stuff like magic and then like how how uh it plays into movement type because there's like armor units and there are weapons that are effective against those armor units and stuff like that and then you you have like people that can turn into dragons and it's so it like, gets crazy so are like dragons an armor unit they can be you can be yeah you, they really can usually, be. usually they aren't they're they're like their own their own class that's kind of hard to get to right it's, yeah some games allow it right mm-hmm. there there's usually only like a couple of exclusive units that have that because it's a very like lore based thing 
or like a rare species or whatever. Plot based power. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. But really, it's about the story. I would say. Yes. It really moves Fire Emblem. I a I lot. play Fire Emblem primarily for the story. Uh, it's, I'll, I'll, most of them have really strong and compelling storylines. You know, with just like good good tales that you can just like really enjoy. It's my favorite Sonic into. character. <laughs> tales, tales gets <laughs> trolled. Read the comic. Yeah. Sorry. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and start by uh, talking about the history, and I, I took. He has to go. Oh my gosh! I, I, I took got notes because I tend to forget most things prepared a lot. Oh my gosh! Ever. Here we go. I I just wrote I just wrote some stuff on a piece of paper, but yeah, it's notes. So uh, Fire Emblem started with um, a game called Fire Emblem Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light, and that released on the Famicom back in like the 80s and 90s. That was like. Pretty, it's the pretty NES cool. for all you Americans. Yeah, yeah I, 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 it just said Famicom on, mm-hmm. on Wikipedia. It's the same thing. And then um, it was it was followed by a sequel called Fire Emblem Gaiden that released on the same um, console, and that's sort of like it's like concurrent to the story of Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light, and it happens on like a different continent, but there are like tie-ins. There are some characters that like are recurring between the two, and then um. There was a direct sequel to um, Shadow Dragon called Mystery of the Emblem, and that had the exact same characters as in the first one. It was on the same continent, but obviously with a different story that took place later in the timeline. And then they sort of switched gears and went to a completely different continent with completely new characters in a game called Genealogy of the Holy War. And that So there's now three storylines. Yes. Fire Emblem games, most of them are not concurrent. Like, for the most part, the different games are, like, separated from one another. They use, like, the same mechanics, but they all have different stories, different timelines, different plots, different characters, all of that. Right. This the- world is more convoluted than Metal Gear. Eh, not really. It's it's just like imagine it's like you, you just it's like you just it's have like the, to separate them in your mind. There's always okay. something called the fire emblem or some, something yeah, of that sort, so, but, something like that. But like they don't like interconnect. It's like separate. Like they don't have to worry about like it's a separate world. They're diff- yeah, yeah, they're different worlds. Oh, and, and you just you just have to take them as different games. So it's yeah. just the same type of game with different stories. Essentially, different stories like Final characters. Fantasy. Yes, is Final yeah. Fantasy not like that? Yeah, Final Fantasy. I don't not know like how that. Final Fantasy works. If I'm being honest. I, I've, I've played a bit of Final Fantasy VI. That's a good uh, one. It was, yeah, that, that's a good it was, one. That's it was a good fun. One. I, I got stuck. But yeah, it's like that. So every yeah, I think about every game separately. I mean, maybe some of them are like part of the same world of that game, but like mm-hmm. they're not like it. You don't need to play, you know. Yeah. Once there, connect. there are some that are like sequels okay. or tie into one another, but for the most part, they are separate games. So, for Fire Emblem Four: Genealogy of the Holy War was the first time that you saw that like a completely different world, and um. That and this, it was sort of it was sort of like a sequel. I think it took place because Genealogy had a, a time skip, and I think I haven't played Thrasia, which is the fifth one. What? It's Thrasia seven seventy six because it takes place in the year seven seventy six, and it's like the country or whatever. Okay, um, this, it takes place. Some interesting the titles now. We're getting some interesting titles. Yeah, um, all all of these games, um, the first six Fire Emblem games only released in Japan. They never received an American release. Really? Because it, it was. It, it wasn't, like, at that level of popularity Because Americans yet. can only uh, understand first-person shooters. That's true. There's also that. You know, the Europeans, they understand the art. So, so you had you had Genealogy and Thrasia, 
And um, those were definitely harder games. Um, Thrasia is well known for being the most difficult Fire Emblem game just because it's very unforgiving. In Fire Emblem, when, you, when one of your units dies, um, you lose them forever. Like, you cannot get them forever. back. For, forever. Forever. Wow. Like you, you can like reset your save file, but you gotta like redo the chapter over and stuff. Okay, so you can save scum. Yes, you Good. absolutely can. Yeah. But it's like some some of the chapters, especially late game, get to be longer, like a full hour to do. Oh, so you like, can get to cross this yeah. map. You can get to a point where mm-hmm. you're gonna about to beat the game, but you made one mistake, and you and you gotta and restart that, that chapter. Is, yeah, if you want to keep that character because you really want that unit. So it comes down to: is it worth sacrificing this much of my time to reset for this unit that I like? Wow, and, and it's like, but dang, that that waifu is really hot, and I want her on my team. <laughs> yeah, you gotta keep your waifus. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, Thrasia was a really unforgiving game, just because of how much it hard punished you for like losing your units and stuff like that, and really just not knowing how Fire Emblem works. And then after that, they moved to um, the Game Boy and Fire Emblem Six, which was called the Binding Blade. Um, which features Roy from Super Smash Brothers Melee. I know who that is. A really nice touch. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, the featuring of Marth and Roy in Melee was what prompted the then worldwide release of Fire Emblem and Fire Emblem Seven: The Blazing Blade, which was a prequel to Binding Blade. Huh. And six and seven were also their own. And then you have Fire Emblem Eight: Sacred Stones. That's a fun one. I like that one. It, it's fun. It's it's an easier it's one. More forgiving. That's why it's, it's got a really nice story. Um, that that one was one of the easier ones. Once again, it was a different world. And then you have uh, the best ones, which were Fire Emblem Nine and Ten, and those are Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn. And those two, um, uh, Ten is a sequel to Nine. He'll know exactly what you're talking about. Who 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 is the main character? That the main character of that is Ike, featured in. Super Smash Brothers. I know Brawl. who that is as you well. You know who See, that yes, is. Ike is cool, right? Ike is awesome. Yeah. Ike, he's one of the Ike, edgy swords guys. Ike is, yeah. He's he's one of the he's one of the best written characters in Fire Emblem. I'll, I'll get more into that later on why those games are the best. And then um, after that, they um, after Radiant Dawn, they actually did a remake with Number Eleven. They remade the first game, Shadow Dragon, okay. and they brought it on to DS. Uh, Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn were um, on GameCube and Wii, respectively. So it was like Mm -hmm. a return to console. And then they went back onto handheld. So they sort of went like back and forth, not really sure what they wanted to do. Right. And so you had Shadow Dragon, which was 11. That was a remake of the first game, but it was released worldwide. So it was now like, you know, everyone could experience that story. But sort of around that time, Fire Emblem sales started to like fall off. Like they really didn't sell that well. Like we're talking like, a hundred thousand copies worldwide. That's so, not a lot. That's not a lot. That's half as many Tesla Cybertrucks. <laughs> that 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 is the there truth. There have been two hundred thousand Tesla Cybertrucks sold over the past. Who, who's gonna hours. buy them? Dude, if I, I, wish, I wish I had. It's only one hundred and fifty bucks to reserve your spot, so I'm thinking about buying one. Ooh. Really? Yes, yeah, so I can sell the spot later. That's a good point. Oh, okay. that, ooh, that's, that's, that's a good point. That's smart. That's what happened with a lot of the uh, Tesla cars. That people would buy their two thousand dollar spot. And then you sell, sell that spot. spot. Yeah, hey, yeah. you could sell that spot, and you might have enough money to buy a physical copy of Radiant Dawn. Possibly. Yes, because those games, since they did not sell well originally, despite them being the best ones, um, they they are very high price now, going upwards of a hundred on 
sites like eBay in addition to needing wow. the actual physical console. They are not cheap. So anyways, you, you started to see this like sort of they fell off a bit economically. And because of that, um, Fire Emblem 12, which was a remake of the third game, uh, Mystery of the Emblem, um, they, they called it New Mystery of the Emblem, like really, really creative guys. Um, and that was only released in Japan. And that was the first time they had done that since The Binding Blade in, uh, back in like 2001. And basically Nintendo went to Intelligent Systems, the company that makes Fire Emblem, and they said, hey, we're going to give you one last chance. Don't screw this up. If you do, Fire Emblem's gone forever. And they made Fire Emblem Awakening which you guys have probably heard of. Because I've heard of that one. You have heard it of woke that up. one. <laughs> it, did, it did extremely well. It ended up selling, to this date, uh, 2.2 million copies, which is a lot. That's more than the amount of Cybertrucks that have been sold. <laughs> that is. <laughs> and Awakening was a very good game. I enjoyed Awakening. It, it had flaws. It was not as good as Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn, but it was a very strong game. And it in a sense, did very much revitalize and save the Fire Emblem franchise. Now, in, in other senses, it took it down a different road, and there's a lot of argument as to whether or not the way that they took it was a great idea because it started to get into more... You, you needed accessibility to new players because that was sort of something that Fire Emblem didn't have. There wasn't really a great way to get into Fire Emblem. Like, I mean... Start with Path of Radiance. That's the best one. But I feel biased. I sense. <laughs> oh, bias. I'm I'm absolutely biased, but uh, okay. my bias is correct. Okay, so okay, that, that's okay. the difference. And with with that, it's not an opinion sense, if it's a fact. It, it, that's true. And <laughs> facts my and words logic. are facts. So with this with this new shift, you had you took away a lot of the difficulty of Fire Emblem because they introduced like uh what was known what's literally dubbed casual mode. Like, that's the name for it in-game, where it takes away that permadeath feature, and if your units die in a chapter, you get them back in the next battle. That's groovy. It, it is. It's it's nice for new players. My first Fire Emblem game. I am a new player. I, I, I played that, and I played it on casual mode because I was a wee little baby and didn't want to lose my favorite units. And, yeah. A wee little then, baby. After Awakening was Fire Emblem 14, uh, which was otherwise known as Fire Emblem Fates. And that released as three separate games, Birthright, Conquest, and Revelations. And each of them had, like, a different route that you could take based on, like, in the story, who you sided with. But the problem was, it, I don't think it was a good idea to have released them as all different games. So, and, so here's the thing, right? I, yeah. If you don't mind me jumping, it's like, go, go ahead. It's like 40 bucks per game. Yeah, it's $40. So you have $40 for Conquest, $40 for Birthright, and then $20 for Revelations, which was the DLC. That's $100 for a subpar game. That is $100. And yes. Oh, $100 and for a subpar game? What is this? Call of Duty? Ah, ha, ha. Uh, Good job, uh, Nintendo. Uh, We're Call of Duty yet. Woo. I, uh, I haven't played a Call of Duty game since... Um, I played Black Ops 2, and then I played Let's World go. War 2 a little bit because it's cheap. Because uh, I got it for cheap. Um but uh, I heard Modern Warfare. The new Modern Warfare is pretty all right. But um, Fates was still a success economically. Uh, God knows why. But um, it, it did not sell as well Awakening uh, within like that first week. But ultimately, it has sold, sold more copies than Awakening. And I, I just think that that's due to like the, the split having sort of like the Pokemon 
game style where it's two games and then you also have the DLC on top of that. And I'll get more into why that game is garbage later on. So then after that... Dude, he's got a full thesis. Absolutely. Uh, I There was Fire Emblem 15, which was a remake of the second game, Gaiden. And Fire Emblem 15 was a wonderful game, but it was also really, really annoying gameplay-wise. Because it was, it was basically the old game, and that's why it was yeah, so hard. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't change... They didn't change enough of the old game. They took too much, and some of the stuff with the old game, it, ugh, they, they should have changed it. And that didn't sell anywhere near as well, and that was due to advertising. It ended up, like, to date, it sold, like, 200,000 copies. That's, That's about as many Tesla Cybertrucks <laughs> have been sold. Is that, is that our unit of measurement? Yeah. All right. We thanks. measure in Tesla Cybertrucks. And then after that... That was the last 3DS game. And then after that, you had the release of Fire Emblem Three Houses. I've heard game. of that one. I'm glad you have heard of that one because that's a fantastic game. And I haven't played it. That was for the Nintendo Switch. And it basically took everything from Fates and made it like 3 million times better. You have four routes in that game, but you just pay $60 and you get all of them. It's you get one game. You get one game. one game. You get one game. But it's like four games. So much wonderful. It really is so much content. I love that game. It's like, it's an amazing oh game. Just the story and the characters and all that. So let's talk about why Fate sucks. Please. Let's let's We're just getting jump into right it, into boys. it. So, so getting into I just want to preface this though. I played Fates because I want to get into Fire Emblem. I hated it. Yes. Do not start with Fates. I hated it. I will tell you. Because you either get Conquest, which is a pretty solid game gameplay wise. Like it's really good song but it's, though. It's difficult. It's really difficult. Conquest was my first game. I kind of regret it. Um, it. It's it's a really really hard game. Like some of the maps are just crazy annoying. But and then you have Birthright, which Birthright was insanely easy, and it, it was meant to be like the baby mode version. And then you have Revelations, which is like the the b- between the two, because the idea in the story is you can you can either side with one of these two kingdoms. Um, you have Nor and Hoshido, and the idea is you play as Corrin, who you've probably heard of in your favorite game, Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> I uh, have heard of that character. <laughs> Another Damn. one of the generic swords. Actually, he's, uh, no, he's no. different. Corrin's cool in Smash because you got like the dragon stuff. That's cool. I like that. That's that's the best game that Corrin has appeared in. He has Corrin has a sword, but and he has a dragon projectile. Arms. He has tippers. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, she. She, sorry, she, she, come on. Yeah, you're right. We, come we, on. we talked about this. Okay. Absolutely. Pronouns, Jared. Come on, <laughs> gosh. So you play as Corn, and the idea is you were raised in this uh, kingdom called Nor, but actually you, you find this out towards the beginning of the game. You were actually born in this other kingdom, Hoshido, and these two kingdoms, they don't like each other as kingdoms do when they are close to each other and have different kings. And, I thought of a you know, great joke, but I can't pretty, say it because we'd have to censor it. <laughs> Pretty pretty early on, you know, you're forced to choose between these two kingdoms, which I think happens too early in the game. You don't get enough development for either of them. And you can either side with one, side with the other, or in Revelations, you... Uh, side with both. You side with neither, and oh. you try and find another way. It's kind of siding with both, because you end up getting the units from both. So okay. it's, it's, it's like that. And uh, it's just, story-wise, the games were not strong at all. Um, there again. Remember, it's like you pick a side. Yeah, and that's one game for forty bucks, and mm-hmm. then you pick another side. So, wow! But 
And then there's also, like, it has the decision moment, and you're supposed to pick from one of the three. But if you don't hit the one that you paid for, then it tells you, oh, sorry, you got to pay for this game, idiot. Go out and spend another $40. And you're just like, wow, okay, I guess I don't get to side with this one. And then you go out and pay $40 because you're a dumb brand loyalty consumer. And that's why Three Houses is amazing because exactly. it is the opposite of that. And you just buy one game. three houses, not two kingdoms. Absolutely. And you get a pick in one game. So that's nice. Actually worth it. Mm-hmm. So in, in Fates, the main character, Corrin, is very dumb. Corrin does not make smart decisions. And it's very infuriating. Nice. Because as a game that was advertised, it's like you get to decide your own fate. There's one story, There's one decision that affects the game, and from the rest of that, it's just watching Corrin do dumb stuff. Um, I, I'm going to spoil a bit of Conquest because, ahead, because that game is I trash. don't think the don't game mind. is valuable playing for the story. If, if you're going to play Fates, play Conquest. Do it for the gameplay. Don't touch any of the other ones. Um, Conquest, the, the idea is you're, you're, you side with Nor in Conquest. And um, the idea is your adoptive father, a guy named Garon, um, he's not a nice guy. You, you look at him and you're like, wow, that's the villain. And he is. Um, he's, he's actually, as it turns out, he's been possessed by this big demon dragon. Doesn't say how, why, none of that. He, well, he just kind demon of dragons just possess people. Yeah. And, and he was allegedly a good person before, but, you know, like, what the, you don't I'm know. Need you never see that. need some statistics for that. Yeah, and I, some facts, some yeah, hard I, evidence. They say he is. That's just that you go you go by word of mouth. Well, that's uh, that's not good evidence. It's not. That it's would really not hold not up in a court of law. And to to save him, there's there's this throne in um in Hoshido in the castle that apparently if you s- sit on it, then it's supposed to like cleanse you or like reveal the truth. I I don't know. It like reveals the truth of someone. It's never explained why or how any of it works or if it is it does it very poorly and in order to get your adoptive dad to sit on this throne what do you do kill him <laughs> you conquer all of hoshido that's that's corin's game plan you just conquer the entire kingdom kill their army walk through the towns literally killing their civilians that happens for him to sit on a chair for him to sit on a chair and then when he does you end up killing him anyway Wow, nice. This sounds like a great game. Yeah. This sounds like a fun game. And there's just a lot of stuff where Corrin should have seen like, wow, this character was bad. And then it's my, very obvious. My favorite is the meme where um, one of the character wants to get revenge on that guy. And, and in the game, like he's like, I just got to charge in and kill him. So it's like, oh, I have to race against time to really get to him. But what does it say in the game? It says the, the revenge, the lusting revenge of this character. Um, it will happen soon, but he only has twenty turns before it happens. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah it, you have you have your um your uh, actual brother in Hoshido, and he's like the crown prince of Hoshido. Yeah. You know, big guy named Ryoma, and he's like, "Wow, Corn, I can't believe you betrayed us. I'm going to kill you." And then you start the map, and it says you have twenty turns before Ryoma attacks Corin. You better save him. Woo. And his, his act the, of rage won't say it's like it's like wait the, this doesn't the, make the goal, any sense it's so dumb it's it's like it's it's the, so funny the though. goal of the map is literally to go into the room you have to like do this little side thing to unlock the room and then you have to go into the room and kill Ryoma with your other units and basically destroy like the honorable battle or whatever that they're ha- that they're having but he's like yeah I'm not gonna hold back Corin but he holds back but yeah. but he holds back for twenty turns and then after that he ends up um 
there there's this bad dude working for Garon, and he keeps trying to like show uh Garon that Corrin isn't actually loyal and he keeps get, trying to get Corrin to do bad stuff like kill civilians and Corrin's like no I don't want to do that and then he does it anyway because Corrin's dumb and um he's like well now that you've uh bested Ryoma all all on your own strength and merit you need to kill him to show your loyalty and uh Corrin's like no I don't want to do that so Ryoma's just like hey I, I got this and then kills himself like the Japanese Wait. Seppuku, he like sticks his sword into his stomach. He commits Sudoku. Yes, he does commit Sudoku. And it's and you're like supposed to feel something, but you're not because Ryoma is not built as a character at all. He's in, in that game now. If you spend forty dollars for the other one, absolutely, because that's the one where you side with him and you get to play as him. And it it, it it's a mistake of the game, and they. On top of that, you have a lot of characters that just are there to fulfill tropes. They're very, very one-sided. They have their one personality trait that appears in every single time that they speak and nothing else. That That's all that they do. Um, there's a very infamous character um, named Camilla. And um, she's, she's known for uh, the gratuitous amount of fan service that her outfit gives her. That's uh, it, I, I, I won't, I I won't develop more. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but she... C-A-M-I-L-L-A. Yep, Camilla. Camilla Fire Emblem. Oh, she's, God. I'm so She's sorry. a character. And she's very you're over doing the top. Fan, you're searching for fan service in the podcast studio, which three of the four walls are glass. Yeah, turn the computer that way. There's there's no glass on uh, that I'll, you know, I have I'll, no shame. I'll you know if oh, anyone's walking by. So, the... the Camilla is very Jesus like Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets it. I genuinely have no idea I'll do it. who I'll this do character it. is. Yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead and pull it up on your phone, Jared. Yeah, go, but, you um, keep going. You keep going. C- Camilla, she dotes on Corin a lot. She's very like overprotective and oversexualized, and it's it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. And then it's just she's like your adoptive sister, which that's another thing. It's Fire Emblem up. has this. They they introduced in some of the later games the S like there's there's been this support system throughout the whole games where you can like have two units interact with each other and you can learn more about them and then like the main character can then S support a unit which is like in the game like canon marriage and they get like bonuses in battle when they fight near each other. Well, that's a little excessive. It, it, it yeah, definitely it is. is. Uh, he he was looking at a photo of Camilla for context. Uh, so you you can like marry, but um the thing is. In, in Fates, you can marry all of your adoptive siblings and your real siblings, and it's the one that up. is canonically pushed. The 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 canonically pushed marriage for Corin is Corin's cousin. It's messed up. I'm like, not joking. This is like like everyone's uh, like, why yes. do I want to yeah. play the, like, you, it's the Dark I, Ages? I, I, did, I didn't play Birthright because that's the one that, that that's the one where you play with your real siblings. Um, yeah, that's the one I but, played. I hated it. Yeah, and you can s support your like. You can marry your fourteen-year-old sister. It's like, it's messed what up. What is this? Ah, uh, yes. And then the how about Nintendo? And then, this is Nintendo. And then, like, you have a kid with her, and then like the kid is like a unit that you battle with, and that kid is older than her because of like some weird hoops that they have to jump through with time travel that doesn't even work or is it's not explained. What? It's awful. Yes. It's an awful game. It, there, there's so much. It had such strong potential. Because the idea of having this like moral conflict between these two kingdoms 
could have been such a strong plot line with such a strong game, but there's so much that they did wrong for the sake of trying to appeal to different audiences. So uh, enough uh, bashing on the bad game. We're going to talk about the good games, which are Fire Emblem 9 and 10. I mean, there are a lot of good games, but those are the best ones. Um, they're, they're known as the Tellius games because the continent that they take place on is known as the continent of Tellius. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty good reason for calling a game. I, I would I would have to agree. That's a that's a great reason. Okay, so why are these games good? They'll, well, they they do a lot right that Fates did wrong. They have they they have very strong story, very fully developed characters, and they steer clear of a lot of tropes because your main character Ike, um, as as opposed to what you've I seen, like Ike. we we like Ike, we all like Ike. I just now realized that Ike was from Fire Emblem. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I believe- know that name. I've seen that name in Smash. Yeah, dude, he's the big guy. Dude, he looks big like the same art style as the, the chick. Sword. We won't talk about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you, I believe you were outside of the room. When yeah, when I, when I mentioned Ike's part. name. Oh, yeah, yeah he was. So Ike, um, he's as opposed to what you have in past games where they're lo- where they're royalty, they're known as like the lords, the main characters, because they're all descendant from royalty in some way. Ike is a mercenary from start to finish. Nice. He he stays a mercenary and he very much stays true to his own values. Those are like obviously good values and he like wants to help people and stuff. But he puts himself first and he seems like a very realistic person. Like he's someone that you could meet. Like real life. And so except for the fact Jared, that he's not get real. ready to censor this. So you could say he's a pole, but like a good one. I I don't think that's the right word. He has a very strong and good sense of morals, but he he does he pri- he prioritizes his mercenary mercenary company. He makes sure that they're getting the job done and doing it right. And there's there's a lot of development that Ike has, and a lot of like the learning about like the world building and how the game works is Ike learning this stuff for the first time. And it, it fits. It works very well. Because you get to play as him discovering yeah. while at the same time having actual mm-hmm. choices in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, like, everything they tried to do in Fates was just... It's not even comparable to Ike. Yeah, absolutely not. And then um, a, a lot of the conflicts in the game are very well-developed. You have... the There are two races on the continent. You have Bayork... We, they they call them Bayork, which are the humans, and then you have the Lagoos, and those are put put very simply furries. They are okay, they're like, they're people with okay. like slight animalistic features that can actually like turn into actual animals, and that's how they fight. I thought you said this was a good game, but now you're telling me there's furries. <laughs> <laughs> this is before, I'm getting some it's mixed a good game here. despite this the is furries. okay. This is like 2008, like this is before any yeah. craze happened, like. Radiant Dawn released in 2007, okay, and then yeah. Path of Radiance was like a couple years before that on the GameCube. And the the whole conflict is in in past history, the Bayork enslaved the Lagoos and basically used them for like, slave do. labor and stuff. Yeah, and um, they they call them stuff. There are some like that are really racist. There's like a whole nation, which uh, you know, the bad guy comes from that nation and he tries to like conquer the continent and stuff. Um, they. They hate Lagoos a lot, and they call them stuff like subhumans. And you actually see, um, this is a piece of development that I really like. Ike, actually, the first time he sees the Lagoos, the first time, like, because, you know, he's, 
I, he's not sheltered, but he's just lived in his country as a mercenary. And like the, the Lagoos and the Bay Orc are very separated. Like they have their own countries and stuff and they don't interact much. The first time he meets them, he refers to them to their face as subhumans because that's all he's ever heard. That's all he knows them as. And then they obviously get very mad at him and they're like, well, you can't call us that. And he's like, oh, I didn't realize that. And then from then on, he not only calls them Lagoos, but then he tells other people off for calling them subhumans. It's, it's, it's good development. And it just shows like that he, he learns like huh. you would expect a human being to. Not like corn. I do, in fact, expect human beings to learn. That happens. I at least so I've been told. I'm yeah. at a place of higher education. I've been told I'm learning. I, I hope I hope we're learning. I like to think I am. And then and then the characters in um, the Teleus games are also just like all of the characters are so well developed. Mo- most of the characters. Um, because you have bad characters in every Fire Emblem game, it, it happens. You can't you can't win them all. Um, they're they're just they all have really strong depth. There's one character called Jill, and she she comes from this nation that I mentioned where they all hate the Lagoos, and she was basically raised to be in the military. Uh, she's a wyvern rider, which is a really cool unit. They just ride on dragons and kill people. It's it's wonderful. Technically speaking, wyverns aren't dragons. They call them dragons. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're basically dragons. They they um they have the same uh type weaknesses that the dragon units do. So they're they're basically the same thing. Weaknesses is in like arrows. Ma- magic magic arrows, arrows yeah arrows. And magic. Actually, what? in Radiant Dawn, they're not weak to arrows really? for okay, whatever that's, reason. They that's, just share the same weaknesses that, sounds that busted. dragons do. That sounds it's busted. busted. Okay. They're busted in that game. Okay. I love that it. busted. So the the characters they're just so well developed and Jill like I mentioned she comes from this nation where she was raised to hate lagoos so much that she was literally raised uh subhumans are the enemy uh subhumans are evil subhumans must be eradicated like she was taught that at a young age in school and she hmm. goes out into the military for the first time like she meets Ikeban and at the time they're fighting these like bird lagoos because there are some that they can like turn into birds and stuff um because these guys are like pirates and they're trying to steal from their ship and she's like yeah let's kill these subhumans i'll help you out and then you know she ends up joining ike's company and she starts interacting with these lagoos that are friends with ike and a part of that company and she starts to realize that everything she's been taught is a lie and it's just like everything she knows just kind of gets flipped on its head and you, you can just see like this internal conflict in her that grows she's one of the only characters that can actually like convert sides if you don't if you don't um have her interact enough like build up that support system that i mentioned with a certain lagoos unit like if she's not friends with them then she can actually end up leaving at a certain point in the game if something happens it's wacky it's it's interesting and then on top of that uh the gameplay of the Tellius games is just very very strong because it, it caters to new players in what I think is a healthy way because it doesn't detract from the past Fire Emblem games. It doesn't introduce new mechanics to make the game easier for them. It just it teaches good. them. It, it gradually builds them into it. I like that because it's, I'd rather have like a deep game with like mechanics mm-hmm. based on that game instead of just adding like, oh, let's add this extra unit and like, oh, special ability. Yeah. Unit. Okay, okay. It's really nice. And it's, it's, it's still got like the permadeath feature and all that. But, I mean, you can obviously save scum if it's really important to <laughs> yeah. you. Um, it, 
they're they're very strong gameplay wise uh path of radiance is one of the easier ones but it doesn't sacrifice anything to be easy it just is and that's why i recommend that is what people start with when they first play the series and then radiant dawn is one of the harder games it's, well, it's a sequel to path it's, of radiance. it's a sequel yes, yes. Uh, i don't i don't think that people should if they're playing the series for the first time i don't think they should play radiant dawn immediately after path of radiance really? unless unless they like if if path of radiance is their first game because i think you need a bit more experience to play radiant dawn just because of how difficult it can be at Good. times but both of them just have really strong gameplay um they're well-designed maps they're fun even like the challenging ones you know they're they're infuriating at first but once you like get the rhythm down figure it out then you're like wow this is pretty fun and it, it's it's a memorable game both of them are very memorable games cool and yeah so like like i said they also have really good music all Fire Emblem they games do. have insanely they do. good music. Even even Fates had a I, great okay, soundtrack. I love Fates. Okay, there's mm-hmm. one thing, Fates. I really love the field theme of Fates. Yes. It's like my, my favorite mm-hmm. game Fates songs. had amazing music. They, they did that right. Oh, my God. Really it, it's good. hard to screw up Fire Emblem music. Totally. And so that, that sort of brings us full circle because I talked about the bad. I talked about the good. So if you're looking to play Fire Emblem for the first time, I would recommend, obviously, my recommendation is Path of Radiance, like I've said. But the problem with Path of Radiance is that it's not exactly very readily accessible. Um, there's the cost factor if you want to play the physical copy. I recommend that you emulate the games. Because it's impossible that's, to get that's, them. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest way to do it. And it's just, uh, unless you're willing, willing to spend $150 plus the money for a GameCube, it's it's not a great situation. So if you're if you're not willing to spend that money and if you're not willing to emulate... I recommend that you either start with Awakening or Three Houses because both of those are catered towards new players, but neither of them necessarily completely sacrificed that sort of like OG fire. Yeah. yeah. They, they do to some extent, which you see in all of the newer Fire Emblem games. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they're still good games to start with. They're good games to build that foundation. Um, beyond that, you, a lot of the other games are too difficult or too easy and they they don't build a good sense of how fire emblem works in my opinion it there's there's a lot of varying difficulty in fire emblem okay it's it's interesting and then lastly all i have to say about playing fire emblem is do it on your own it's really it's really easy to get into the rhythm of looking up guides when you're stuck but it it recommends that you you use this unit or that you beat a map this way or that like you reset if you lose this unit like it's people don't realize that it's okay to have a unit die you do not have to reset for every single unit because that it's part of the sacrifice you know and you can definitely make it you there are 30 chapters and there's about 30 chapters in your average fire emblem game and usually um if you lose one unit per chapter you will still have more than enough units for the final chapter it's it's still you can still pace yourself very easily. So it's just making sure that you play it in your own way and that you make the games what you want them to be. Yeah, I that's, like that. That's really all I've got about Fire Emblem. I know, I know that that was wow. a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, I, that was a thesis. That was... Yeah. You know, I think what we're going to do is that we're going like to... You want to plug paper. your book or... We'll put, yeah. we'll, we'll put this in the episode and then I'll make a sub-episode. Yeah. Okay. Just you talking about Fire Emblem, which I think would be all great. Right. Yeah. Dude, that's actually yeah, yeah, that's a great that's, idea. That is no. Um, 
I, wow, that's wow. A lot. There's there's a lot to the series. I you didn't like even, doubled the length of the podcast. <laughs> I, I didn't even touch on um stuff like the Game Boy games or yeah, the even earlier games or why Echoes is such a weird game. So time anyway. for our uh, uh, final yeah. segment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't. You know, I won't. as much <laughs> as I would love to hear that, I would also love Save to that go for another home. episode. That, yeah, <laughs> that's um, true. It's Thanksgiving it's, it, break it Thanksgiving. as we're recording this. I think we might be the last four people left on campus. Uh, I live here. So. Uh, judging by the traffic, uh, dinner and then dip in the hallway. Yeah, I think. I yeah. Think that's okay. Normally so, yeah. around this time, there are people walking about behind around. I. I've yeah, seen I've seen people. one guy. They're all dead. Um, <laughs> We're the last so, survivors. So uh, let's wrap this up with our final segment. What have you guys been playing this week? Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Just Sword. I only own Sword. It's fun. I've heard. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to complete the Pokedex. It's it's a lot better than... There's no longer a National Pokedex, right? That is true. That's a shame. It, it has the same amount of Pokemon in the game as in previous. The difference is that you can't transport your past Pokemon to it unless they are mm. one of those Pokemon. I, I can see that would be hurtful to a lot of people and sort of like a not buying the game sort of point, especially yeah. if you have like your living decks or whatever. Um, but it's a, it's a really fun game. A lot of the problems that people were pointing out before it released are things that I wouldn't have noticed unless I read about them online, which I did, unfortunately. You know, yeah. just stuff yeah. like the tree textures. It's like, what I, I wouldn't have noticed or cared about that unless someone told me they were bad. Or the choppy animations. Yeah. Yeah. But but once Still again, fun. Pokemon's always yeah. been like that. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily excuse it, but it's... It still is a good it's formula. Pokemon. It's a good formula. It's, it, Pokemon. it's fun. It's a fun game. Ted, what do you got going on? I haven't played a video game in over a week. It's not very gamer of you. Yeah, no, I've been I've been so busy with schoolwork and all that. But what I have been playing with is Raspberry Pis and Arduinos. Mm. So that's what I've been playing. I have with this seen week. the fruits of this labor. Yeah, uh, keeping my roommates up uh, at night with uh, beeping machines and all that. So uh, yeah, I will probably bring something on the podcast one of these days. Cool, I like yeah. it. Um, if you mind me going into it, um, go ahead. I haven't actually played anything this week either. I mean, I, I always play Smash because I just can sit down and play one for like two minutes, or I mean, you know, play a match and that's it. But um, I want to buy probably I'm probably over break. I'm gonna buy Pokemon Sword because I want to play Sword. And yep. you I'll should get Shield so that we could trade exclusives. My, I'll, I'll have get my sword I'll have my sister so trade it, so she's getting Shield. Um, but I want um, but I'm also gonna buy Code Vein. It's on sale right now on PSN store, so I want to get that. My friend has it. It's a really, it's like a, it's like a, it's Dark Souls essentially, but not, I mean, I don't, I preface, I think Dark Souls is a cool game, but I hate how slow it is. I like faster games in general. So, um, it's, it's like a faster Dark Souls. So I, I played it and I liked it a lot. So I'm excited to play that. I've played one new game over the past week. Bejeweled 4. No. Bejeweled um, I believe the game is called Kyle is Famous. Um, Oh. Unrelated to you. Oh, I'm famous. Unfortunately. That's wonderful. But it's like um like a choose your own adventure game. It's real simple. It was just free on Steam. So I picked it up. I played a bit of it. It's pretty fun. It's it's one of the it's a choose your own adventure game where the point of the game is you need to properly prepare for an interview. 
right? So you have to like explicitly do everything that you would do. Like my first run, I like prepared for it. Um, but like, apparently you have to like, you have to like go to the closet in your room and specifically put on this exact suit of clothes. And I just like, didn't know that that was a thing you had to do. So I, I apparently I showed up to the interview dead and also naked. And the <laughs> next time I didn't eat cause I didn't know you had to eat, you know, you have to like declare every single thing you have to do and you have to go through the house and search it all. And you only have a certain amount of time. It's very interesting. Okay. Uh, it does sound interesting. Kyle, yeah. do you do these things in the morning? Do you make sure to eat? Um, I, I do make sure to okay. eat. Do you wear <laughs> clothes? You class dead and naked when you don't put on clothes? Yeah. That has not happened yet, thankfully. Have you All had right. a couple of nightmares like that? I know I have. You have nightmares about everything. I do have nightmares about everything. You know what else I have nightmares about? Thanksgiving dinner with my family. All right, guys. Ooh, we'll see you guys thing. later. Yeah. Uh, I can <laughs> see that Jared's putting on his jacket. Yeah. I think Tad's we're ready to get standing. on out of here. Yeah, thank, Everybody, thank you all for having me. Yeah. It's, it's no, thanks for being on. on. Thank you for coming on. We're going to have to have you on again for part two, uh, oh, Game yeah. Boy Boogaloo. Oh, about yeah. the uh, Fire Emblem series. Yeah. Talk about why Echoes is so weird, because yeah. it really yeah. is. Hopefully, everyone I... Have a, uh, have a, everyone have a happy Thanksgiving. This isn't going to come out until after oh, yeah, Thanksgiving. Totally. Yep. But, um, give. I'll talk a little bit more yep. next episode Turkey. when I'm not sick. Yep. Yep. We'll Play, see you all then. Play Path of Radiance. Bye-bye. Boo-boo. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.